This podcast is brought to you by ESET, the global leaders in cybersecurity. ESET business solutions range from endpoint and mobile security to encryption, two-factor authentication, and advanced threat detection. And they've just introduced their new endpoint security management platform called ESET Protect. The ESET Protect business security bundles take security to a whole new level. For small businesses and MSPs, I recommend ESET Protect Advanced to cover all your security bases. ESET Protect Advanced includes endpoint protection, cloud sandboxing for advanced threat detection, and prevention, full disk encryption, file server security, and cloud-based console. Right now, you can save 20% with this limited time offer. So you're not only getting best-in-class cloud-managed protection against advanced attacks, you're enjoying a significant discount. Not yet convinced? Don't worry. You can also get a free trial and an interactive demo at business.eset.com radio. Get 20% off ESET's new business cybersecurity bundle, ESET Protect Advanced, at business.eset.com radio. Now listening to the best podcast in the world, The Awakened Soul, hosted by my dad. I want to fold clothes for you. I want to make you feel good. Baby, I want to do the right thing. Feel so much better than the wrong thing. Welcome to episode 50 of The Awakened Soul. 50 episodes into The Awakened Soul. We're about 10 months in, so uh, we are definitely, definitely going at a fast pace. We're delivering great content. Hopefully, you guys all enjoy it, but uh, coming away from that, I'm, I'm happy to get into this episode. I know it's Memorial Day weekend, so for all of you who are celebrating with barbecues, swimming pools, and family, hopefully, you guys are all having a good time. I know it's also graduation season. So anyone who's celebration, celebrating a graduation this weekend, I want to say congrats to you. Hats off to all the graduates, um, whether it be college, high school or whatever else. I just want to, uh, you know, from the awakened soul, we're going to send congratulations out to everybody on that. But we got a great show planned for you guys this week. Um, we got the the mind of Ralph is in the building this week uh, to discuss Deadpool. We get into a pretty good conversation over the course of that. Uh, we spin into some of the Marvel Universe as well. I know I have many guys with some more Marvel talk, but it's not as much. I promise you didn't get as nerdy as I did last week. I promise. I promise. But we also got a, a dope basketball conversation. But before all of that, you know what we got to do. We have to get into the, the mind of Hayes. We have a few deep topics, crazy ones, you know, into my dark, dark mind. So we're going to go ahead and, and journey into my mind. Uh, we're going to get into some music before that. I'll see you guys on the other side for the end of mind. Hey, second. All right, so welcome to the mind of Hayes. We're gonna come, we're gonna jump right into it, and this is something that 
uh, we, me and Andrew Bello talked about before in the segment, and this has been long going, and this has just proves the power of the Me Too movement, and that is Harvey Weinstein, according to sources, will be charged with rape. He will be charged with first and third degree rape in one case and a first degree sex act in the second case. This is an important, important, important uh, step in going in the right direction of correcting a lot of that that darker underbelly of Hollywood that has so long gone unnoticed. And like I said at the top, it's it's just goes to show the power of the Me Too movement, the modern day Me Too movement. Check out the episode of the Awakened Soul Me Too to kind of get some of the origins of the actual Me Too movement and just how far back that goes. But to get back to this case. This has been something that dozens, dozens of women have come out against Harvey Weinstein. And, you know, he's already been proven guilty, basically, in the public, the the court of public opinion. Now it's time now that these charges look like they're coming down to get him actually convicted in court for this. And I I can't say enough. I know that there have been a lot of people who have been calling out for this, especially amongst the uh, situation going on with Bill Cosby. And I know I spoke a lot about that in the the Cosby, the Cosby conundrum episode as far as um, why those two, you know, why the, the, the conviction of Bill Cosby necessarily shouldn't be compared to Harvey Weinstein or uh, we shouldn't necessarily say let's not charge Bill for not charging Harvey. But now, luckily, that argument hopefully is going to go away. Let's get this creep out of Hollywood. Let's continue to shine that light, like I said, on 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 that darker underbelly. And let's just keep this moving. This has been something that's gone on way too long. We got decades and decades of Harvey Weinstein preying on women. Um, Ashley Judd being one of them, uh, amongst others, like I said, it's been so many women that come out against Harvey Weinstein. And it's just good that we are finally now moving forward with charges being done in this case. So, you know, hats off to the lawmakers. Let's send prayers out to the women uh, who are more than likely going to have to testify. I think a lot of times we fo- we focus so much on let's just getting these people charged that we forget that testifying against someone who's victimized you is scary for a lot of people, many, many people. So we want to lift those women up. We want to pray for them. We want to uh, just send well wishes their ways. They get ready to go into the next phase and hopefully this last leg of this battle against this creep. But we do have to get into the the next topic. And this one, um, for the listeners of The Awakened Soul, for anyone, uh, and this one's about Morgan Freeman. And I, who hasn't seen a Morgan Freeman movie? Who hasn't enjoyed at least one of the many and probably hundreds of characters he's done? But let's get into the realities of this situation. So a young production assistant who worked on the film Going In Style actually said that she was victimized. She was harassed by Morgan Freeman, um, unwanted touching, comments on her figure and body. And this led, again, like I said, the power of the Me Too movement. This led to other women coming out and talking about how the star has made comments or has, has sexually harassed uh, and inappropriate behavior over the course of decades. 16 other women came out and they basically described the same pattern of inappropriate behavior against Morgan Freeman. And uh, yeah, so th- there's people who worked uh, across the gamut, people in production capacities, people who, who were assistants, people who were, were, were aides to him. Um, 
and he's since come out and apologized uh, for any appropriate behavior. But again, in this day and age, in this time, in this climate that we're in now, a lot of this stuff is being exposed. We have to judge with fairness. And just like we want to get anybody else the fuck up out of here, Morgan Freeman, if this is true, if this is, is proven to be true, he has to go too. I understand he's an older star. I understand maybe he was on his way out anyway, as far as considering retirement, but it doesn't matter. This needs to go. Um, it, it's just, it, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's, this, this is just really uh, unfortunate just of how, like, at this point, who is safe? And it, we'll be discussing this more. Uh, me and my brothers from the breaks, we have already planned as more details come out, we will go into more depth on this, but I would be remiss if I did not at least mention this on the end of, in the, in, in the mind of Hayes segment to start off the show. So, you know, wins for the Me Too movement across the board here. Let's keep this going. Let's keep this pushing. And uh, as more details come out, you'll definitely be able to hear me discussing it on my various podcasts and platforms. Moving on, let's get into some more positive. So let's get into what uh, hopefully brings a smile to more people's faces. And, and let's talk about some music. So we did have two albums drop um, that I'm particularly paying attention to. One is ASAP Rocky, uh, his new project, Drop Testing. We also have Pusha T, Daytona, that dropped today. And, you know, we we have the hip hop podcast, so we'll definitely be getting into full fledged reviews um, of these albums on the breaks radio. So definitely be sure to check that out. By the way, we got our live show July 21st going down in St. Louis at herb arts event. Bright link is in the description to buy your tickets, but I specifically want to talk about one aspect of this. And there is a song on this album entitled infrared infrared in which Pusha T is throwing some bars at Drake. I'm going to go ahead and play a uh, part of that song and then I'm going to come back. And we're going to discuss the bars. The game's fucked up. Niggas beats is banging. Nigga, your hooks did it. The lyric pinning equal to Trump's winning. The bigger question is how the Russians did it. It was written like Nas, but it came from Quentin. At the mercy of a game where the codes is missing. When the CEO's blinded by the glow is different. Believe in myself in the closing kindred. All right, so basically that exact snippet was leaked before the album dropped of him at a listening party for the album and immediately speculation went crazy. Who the bar shot at? Is it a shot at Drake? Well, we didn't have to wait long to figure out if it was. He was interviewed specifically about those bars and I'm going to directly quote him here. And is, I mean, you know, I feel like everybody thought two birds, one stone, you know, that was push a T cutty aim so on and so forth and that was fine you know what i'm saying i heard it i felt like okay i can't have an argument about how real i am let's not do that if it's rap let's let it be about that and i'm just speaking my truth on this i don't think it's anything disputable this is why people love pusha t so much is it's his honesty it's that he brings back kind of not the braggadocious version of rap, but the, the quality of the music. It all goes back to the bars for him. And some people don't respect it, and I get it. Some people, it's about hit songs. Me and Fame had a conversation on Twitter about that today. It wasn't just me and Fame. It was quite a few people in that thread. Um, so it's not always just about the bars for everyone. But 
it, it, at the end of the day, when it comes back to MC versus MC, when it comes back to throwing shots at each other, that's when it is about the bars. You can make it about who had the most album sales. You can make it about who went platinum. We can make it about who had the most hits. But in between those lines, who's writing the most bars? And, you know, he, he throws shots at Drake in that line about not writing his own music. Go and listen to the song. It's called Infrared, as I said. But this Pusha T album, haven't been able to really digest it yet because literally it just came out a few hours ago. But um, we'll definitely be reviewing it on the breaks. And I can't wait to talk to my brothers about, you know, the bars, not just on this song, but throughout the album um, and also the ASAP Rocky album, as I said. So coming off those two things. What's next in the mind, Hayes? Hayes, what 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 do you have for us? What's going on? That's pretty much it. I will say this though. Again, and we've I've talked about this before. It's summer. This is the best time for music, in my opinion. Um, I can't I can't wait to just some of the music that we have coming. Reportedly, now as the album's dropping, some people believe or don't believe that. We'll see. Um, but we got uh, we got. Kanye coming for sure. Him and Kid Cudi. Uh, it's it's some it's some serious music coming over the course of the summer. Like I said, I'm still. This may just be the homer me. I'm still expecting Kendrick at some point to drop another Untitled. It's it's gonna happen. I'm gonna will it and speak it into existence. <laughs> but those that's it for the mind of Hayes this week. Anyone who's uh, listened to this for the first time, follow me on Twitter at CEO Hayes. Follow the Awakened Soul Podcast at Awakened Soul Pod. On Twitter, you can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, theawakensoulpod at gmail.com. And lastly, our wonderful and beautiful website that I built just a couple of weeks ago, theawakensoulpod.com. We're going to get into some more intro music, not intro music, but we're going to get into some more intro, into some more music uh, before we go into the segment talking about basketball. After that, it's another MCU discussion, not MCU discussion. It's another movie review with me in the mind of Ralph but first we gotta talk basketball because it's playoff season Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of The Awakened. So I know the last couple episodes I've been talking more basketball than usual. That's always going to happen when the playoffs are going on. Um, so after the Cavs lost last night and everything, it, it just so happens that that I was able to get in touch with someone uh, who's a huge Cavs fan. And I'm going to introduce this person. Her, her, <laughs> her live tweets during the game just... You can you can tell the fandom through the tweets. You can feel the pain and agony and and the joy when the Cavs are winning. But I have a very special guest, and this is Latasha. Um, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I am doing amazing. Ready to talk some basketball. Um, and I'm, I may surprise some people when we when we get into the basketball discussion because I'm not a LeBron fan, but I have a lot of I actually have a lot of good stuff to say about LeBron from this series. But uh, before we get into that, just just. Tell the people about some of the projects you're working on. I know you have a YouTube page and a website. I want to, before we even get too far into it and forget, I want to give you a chance to plug yourself so people can definitely go out and support you. Okay. Well, yeah, definitely. I am a shopaholic. <laughs> um, I love the coupon. So my YouTube page is downtown on 7th Avenue, Handbag Adventures. So you get to follow me, couponing. And I actually have a substantial following where I teach them how to coupon and how to save money. 
And I also sell handbags. So my website is shopdowntown7thav.com. And you can also find me on Twitter where I am ranting and raving about LeBron. <laughs> and also you can find me on Instagram at downtown7. Awesome. Awesome. So definitely go out, support her. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we love our creatives and our black creatives and everything. So we want to support everyone the best way we can, but let's get into this conversation. And so just last night when you're watching that game or watching this series overall, are you surprised that, that the Celtics considering their stars out have been able to get three games on the Cavs like this? I, I, the first two, I was like, okay, I can get the emotion. But three games now, the series is three to two, so it's not completely out of hand. But I just didn't expect the Celtics to be able to 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 do this and go as far as they did. I, I'll be honest, I am in complete shock, especially since we won those two games. I figured, okay, we have the momentum. We should be able to go into Boston. I didn't expect this to win by much, but I thought, okay, we'll win between two to four points. We could blow them out at home and get ready for the finals. I had no idea this was going to happen. But the crazy thing about that game to me is that I felt that Boston was trying to, like, give us the game. I mean, it wasn't one of Boston's best games. They only shot at 37%. So, you know, LeBron had turnovers. Clarkson couldn't hit any threes. I'm like, oh. And Boston is like, here, take the game. And we just couldn't take it. <laughs> I was, I, I'm in shock. I have to say so. I'm in shock. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, yes, they play great. They're the number one seed. But that was when Kyrie was still there. Like, like Boston, the, I I like their team. And I, I've said before, they have a bright future considering, you know, their two best players are out and look how far they've made it. And I think Tatum is going to be a beast um, at some point in his career. But it's... And this is where, like I said, I'm going to surprise people because I'm going to have a lot of positive to say about LeBron. And after last night's game, all on ESPN, oh, LeBron looks like he's running out of gas. Is LeBron getting old? And the thing is, is that LeBron is probably out of his prime at this point. But his he's so good that even LeBron out of his prime is still better than 90 percent of the NBA. But the thing is, is that he's legitimately had to carry this team since the all star break. And for pretty much a lot of part of the season, too. So it's, it makes sense that he's slowing down. But to, to act like, oh, now we found this is finally the end of LeBron. It's not. Like, LeBron just needs at least one person he can consistently rely on. And I think this problem goes away. The problem is he just hasn't had that. Like, Kevin Love, when he's on, he's that guy. But he's not consistent. Um but you know, it's it's a so it's a mixture of that as well as like the guys on the Celtics are playing with so much heart right now. Um, even like you said, th- there was a period in time where they could not bury a basket, but Cleveland couldn't either. And usually that's when they were capital. Cleveland and LeBron would capitalize on it. So I'm just sitting here watching this game, and I'm just like, this is this is crazy. Like I just I, it, I don't know, man. I'm still trying to wrap my head around. It. So am I. It's like, okay, what was really going on last night? And I do agree. It does sound, it does seem as if LeBron is tired, um, not just physically, but mentally, because he's had to carry this team. But I feel like, I hope I'm wrong about this, but some of that, I think he took on himself. He doesn't have to do that. I mean, the Cavs are not terrible. Granted, we're not, you know, great. But without LeBron, we're not completely terrible. But we haven't been given a chance to do anything. Everything 
runs through LeBron. So all of our passes run through LeBron. The complete offense runs through LeBron. So LeBron hasn't empowered the other teammates to make any any type of decisions. Like, they can't really do anything outside of him. I mean, before coming to the team, they were actually pretty good. I mean, Clarkson was pretty good coming off the bench prior to coming to our team, and Nance was really good, too. And George Hill, I mean, he was known for three-pointers. So all of a sudden, you come to the Cavs and you just, your work diminishes. Like, I, I don't think that's the case. I just think everything runs to LeBron. And I think LeBron is so used to that as he's coming of age. And it's hard for some of us older people. You know, it's hard for us to let go of things that we were able to handle. And it's not that his career is, in a sense, winding down. But this is where he can do what Jordan didn't do. And this is where, you know, you kind of take on a little less responsibility. Find out what you can do where you are and capitalize on that. So, yeah, okay, you can't get up and down the court like you used to, but what else can you do? You can assist. So how about assisting instead of always going to the basket? Yeah, that. Uh, but I think also part of it is, too, and I, and I agree with everything you said, but I think it's like he doesn't have the trust in those. Like back when he was in Miami, even with Kyrie on the team, he had trust in those guys to, all right, if I start deferring, if I do start passing and I'm not scoring as much, I, I can trust Kyrie to completely take over a game scoring. Like George Hill. He used to be that. Rodney Rodney Hood has shown he could be that too. But it seems like since they've been on Cleveland, it's and it may be the it may be LeBron not empowering them, kind of like you said. But do you do you think that they that the players also kind of feel like, oh, I'm playing with LeBron. Maybe I don't have to keep the gas, my foot on the gas as much as I used to. Like Clarkson, like you said, when he was in L.A., there were times where coming off the bench, he looked like a superstar. I haven't seen that Jordan mm-hmm. Clarkson since he's been been in Cleveland. But also, has he been given that opportunity? I mean, that's the thing. Like, I believe coaching does this as well. And it could be that Ty Lue's hands are tied because this is kind of LeBron's team. So everything has to go through LeBron. I mean, has he really been given a fair chance to show what he can do? Because when he does come off the bench, he does give us some scoring. But as soon as he misses maybe two you know, let's just say he missed, like, when he missed those two three-pointers. Now he comes out the game. But, you know, you left him in maybe a little longer. He could have made up for that. But we'll never know because anytime they couldn't make a mistake, they kind of get chastised for it in a sense, With whereas they don't get the playing time. And I don't think that's fair. I do think, you know, this is the team we have. But at some point, when do you trust them? I mean, LeBron cannot win a championship by himself. He can't get to the finals by himself. So at some point, you're going to have to suck it up, kind of deal with what you have to deal with and find out what they can do for you. But he hasn't given anyone the opportunity to do that. And I love LeBron, but I think some of this carrying a team by himself, he's chosen to do. Yeah, and and he... he... And I think I don't know if it's because, of course, I haven't talked to LeBron. I can't get in his head, but I, I maybe he's so afraid of failing and what people will say that he, instead of like trusting the people around him, he's like, well, I have to do it on my own. So there's probably some of that as well. Um, That's where I get into 
And like I said, I'm not a Cavs fan, but I do respect LeBron, the player. But that's where hopefully this year with them having the number seven or eight overall pick, hopefully they can draft someone that as LeBron skills diminish, the other player increases and there'll be like a, a overlap in which the, it's, it's a transition of power from LeBron to whoever they draft, possibly if they if they can find that next superstar in the draft. But um, this is kind of also where the, the Cavs kind of handcuffed themselves when they made that deal for Kevin Love um it and traded away uh, Wiggins it's it 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 stopped them from having someone who would be transcending while LeBron goes diminishes a little bit and and now you're 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 showing the repercussions of that but you know as you said if LeBron wasn't isn't going to trust anybody it almost doesn't matter at all so hopefully in this offseason if they do end up losing this series I mean they, they could still come back and win the next two the Cavs have done crazier things but Hopefully they find someone or, or find a way, whether it's the coaching or talking to LeBron, to just put somebody around LeBron that he can completely trust because it, it needs to happen. Exactly. I agree with that. And I think really what it comes down to is trust. Because, I mean, we have to be mindful. Yes, he had Kyrie, but Kyrie took it upon himself to leave. So what was that about? Okay, he was in Miami. Miami didn't work out and he bounced back to Cleveland like Every time, this seems to be a pattern with LeBron, and he reminds me a lot of Russell Westbrook because it seems like Russell Westbrook has the same issue. They're both two of the best players, but Russell Westbrook as well has issues with trusting other teammates, and he takes everything on his own when he doesn't have to. I mean, this year he had Paul George and Carmelo, and they didn't make it out the first round because he wanted to take it upon himself not trusting two of the best players that he has in this league. And at some point, if LeBron really wants to win and wants that Jordan legacy, he's going to have to trust. I mean, Jordan had Pippen, and he also had Dennis Rodman and Steve Kerr, but he also trusted them to make shots when his work falling. Yeah, and yeah, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan through and through, born and raised. So, I mean, that that point definitely resonates with me is because as much as LeBron, I mean, I'm sorry, Jordan was the closer and Jordan took over games. There were absolutely games where Jordan deferred to other people that weren't as good as him. And, and you know, Steve Kerr comes to mind. Uh, Paxson comes to mind. Like oh, Tony Kukoc yeah. comes to mind. All these guys have had t- times where they've had to take over late in games. Because the, either the defense was just geared to stop Jordan or they they wanted to do something differently. And LeBron right now doesn't have that. So I, I love that point you made. Yeah. And, and another thing I will give to Jordan over LeBron, even though I am, as you know, I love LeBron. But one thing I will give to Jordan is that it seems as if his teammates, not saying that teammates don't like LeBron, but he's been able to keep the same core of people for the most part throughout his six championships. Whereas LeBron didn't win one in Cleveland, got frustrated, came to Miami, won two, got frustrated, came back to Cleveland, won one. Now he's frustrated again. It's possible he might leave us after this season. So, you know, I do respect the fact that Jordan was able to keep his core people. And, again, it goes back to the whole trust factor. He was able to trust his core people to take him to six championships. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and part of that, too, is LeBron's fault because, he, you know, him, he should have resigned. If you're going to be in Cleveland, resign. That gives the team the ability to say, OK, we, we're going to have LeBron for six more seasons. Now we know how to make our moves. But right now, the general manager, the owners right now don't know what to do, because if they made a move to win now and LeBron leaves the summer, then they're stuck. 
So, you know, part of that rest on LeBron, too. Like, there was never an, a question if Jordan was leaving the Bulls. Never. They never had exactly. to worry about that. Um, so that, exactly. that, that, that informed how the team was going to build. They knew that they can gear for a championship every single year because there wasn't a chance Jordan was going to leave. So I, I love that point as well. You, I love your points. It, amazing points. You can tell you're definitely a basketball fan. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but, yeah, and it, 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 even with Jordan, like, he even – I mean, you can tell he like empowered his team too, because even after that spin, after he left after the third championship, they still won 55 games. If LeBron leaves, we're probably a lottery team at best. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, you know, we don't, our parts only work if he's there. And that's what makes it not fair. You know, at some point, again, like I hope he starts to trust people. And, and he's able to build relationships to where, okay, they trust you enough. They'll go to bat for you. They'll trust you enough. They'll do what they can. They'll scrap. They'll do what they can to win the championship. And that's the difference between us and Boston, if you think about it. You can tell they trust each other. It doesn't matter who has the ball. They just want to win a game. <laughs> and they are scrapping and they're falling down and they're doing all types of defensive plays because they're a team. And we have this one person who we don't even know is going to be around next year. So how are they supposed to fight for you when you haven't even chose that you can be trusted? I, I, I can't do nothing but clap. That's a great point. Like, I there's, that, you killed it. Nothing left to say. Nothing left to add to that point because <laughs> – it's absolutely right. Um, so if you had to make a prediction right now, do you think the Cavs come back and win this one in seven, or do you think the series is done? I do think LeBron is going to LeBron, and because of pride, he's not going to let this fall. I do think we're going to win in seven. Um, I think we're going to blow them out at home. I do think game seven is going to be tricky. We're going to win not by much, um, and then we'll get ready for – I don't know. Um, probably most likely Golden State, but Houston has a fire in them, and they are not giving up. They believe that they can actually beat Golden State. So it's possible LeBron might get lucky and get Houston. <laughs> yeah, it's it. I'm I'm after the last game, Houston Golden State game. Like I I've criticized James Harden, but they showed out that game. So yeah, there's there's a chance Houston may win that, and and either. I think either Cleveland or Boston could beat Houston. Um, I think it's more likely that Houston will beat Boston, but there's definitely a chance Cleveland because there's there's no one on on Houston that can guard LeBron. But um, yeah. So I mean, we're, we're it's not over until it's over, and I've learned in my course of of going against LeBron that there's never in, until it's like one minute left with LeBron being down in the fourth quarter in Game Seven. Never bet against LeBron. So we'll see how it goes. Exactly. LeBron is money. You can always count on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you for joining me. I want to thank you for uh, taking time out your day to, to be on this podcast. You know, you responded to a tweet I made and the moment you did, I knew we were going to talk about, about uh, basketball. So I just want to thank you for that. Oh, yeah, it was my pleasure. I love talking basketball. So whenever you want to talk, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, uh, you you guys heard it at the top of this segment, her plug herself, go and support Go and watch a YouTube channel. Do everything, all that good stuff. We're going to take a brief break, and I'll see you guys on the other side. We're getting close. You all know the drill. Intercept the convoy. Watch out for cable. Hit it! There's this kid. He's in trouble. 
Move or die. Pump the hate breaks, Thanos. I ain't letting Cable get to him. But I can't do this alone. I need backup. We're gonna form a super duper fucking group. All right, so there was a little movie that released this this past week. <laughs> I'm still trying to process it, man. But we got the mind of Ralph in the building. My brother from the breaks, also from Oversaturated. Uh, just an amazing dude, man. And I, I like that we're able to talk about this because I know Deadpool from the comics. You can speak on it almost strictly from the, the uh, movie realm of it. But what's going on, Ralph? Oh, man, nothing much, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. It's like, I, I feel like I was just here. But, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it's cool, man. But now nah, let's let's get into this Deadpool shit, man. Man, so okay. So I just want to. We're gonna start off by because I I definitely didn't have this podcast when the first one came out. So mm-hmm. the first Deadpool movie to you, as as it ranks in the comic book movie realm, like are you putting it up there with the MCU movies? Is it of that quality to you? What did you think about the first one? The first movie was more like satire to me. The whole the whole movie, and I enjoyed it for what it was, but isn't. Like people you know, marveled over it, not you know a play on words, but that's just really what it was because it was so gruesome. Uh, Deadpool's uh, he was so vulgar, like the you know like the the graphic nature of the movie. But it was you know it was okay to me, and I really didn't care for the villain Francis. I thought he was like very generic, very bland. So it was like ah, <laughs> but like the movie is good. It does have replay value, like definitely the action scenes. But it was just like okay, like I wouldn't put it up there with. The MCU or the Dark Knights of the World or anything like that. I feel that. Yeah, I, I don't quite put it up there either with the MCU, but it's definitely the second tier of comic book movies. Like, and the thing is, with so do we? Even though it's a comic book character, to you, mm-hmm. is Deadpool the first one? And we'll get to talking about the second one. Is it a comic book movie or is it just a comedy with some action? Cause that's kind of how I look at it. Like I look at it more as like a comedy movie than a straight up comic book fi- film. So hmm, that's, that's a, that's a good, good way to look at it. Uh, I would, hmm, damn, it is more of an action movie with a lot of comedy than just having that generic superhero feel to it because it doesn't have that. Exactly. And, and even he said it like, this is a love story, which it was like the first movie. We're talking about that. <laughs> So, I yeah yeah it's like Deadpool's like a a B list <laughs> type of superhero. It's kind of like the super Suicide Squad. Like he's on that level of a superhero, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is, and this is where I'll get into the comic world. And I don't know how much of this you know or don't know, but like comic in the comic book thing, you know how like Wolverine is looked at as like the main character in X Men. Yes. And he is that to a certain point in the in the comics too, but Deadpool even more so because literally anytime Marvel wants to get a lot of eyes on it, they throw Deadpool. Like there's been Deadpool versus Thanos, Deadpool versus the Marvel Universe. Like he's he's kind of that character. Everyone loves Deadpool, and he started off as a one off villain. He wasn't supposed to be this huge thing. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of spun off into his own like thing in the comics. And so there's definitely a love for him in the comics. And that's why everyone wanted this movie for so long. Uh, the first Deadpool, I think it, it hit. It surprised a lot of people. It even surprised me as a fan of the comics. I never thought a Deadpool movie would be able to be pulled off because of the whole breaking the third wall and shit. Like I, I didn't see that being pulled off, but they pulled it off. Great. So um, that leads us to, to get into this. The second movie, man. 
right mm-hmm. off the top, I will say this. I think there are parts of this movie that, like the villain, mm-hmm. I think is better than Francis because oh, yes. of, because yeah. of because of it being a child and the story being told there. Um, but the movie, I don't think is as good. Not saying it's bad. I don't think Deadpool two is bad at all. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's as good as the first one. What do you What do you think about that? Uh, I think I think it's about the same for me. Nothing uh, that I need to like go back and like oh my god and revisit. But I, I enjoy, you know, we'll get into all the characters and everything and how they played out. But I enjoyed, I was confused because I thought, you know, Cable was a villain. You know, just me, you know, not knowing the, the backstory of everything. I was like, oh, so he's the villain. No, the child's the villain. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cable's on some Terminator shit. I got it now. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, even, even, like, yeah. I mean, basically the way that they bought it now, now, I... Let, let, we'll talk about Cable first. Let's talk about the character Cable first. Um, in the comics, I don't know like how much you know, but he's the son of Cyclops and a clone of Jean Grey. But he was specifically, they were put in that situation to create Cable because they figured out that a child between those two, Jean Grey and Cyclops, would be the most powerful mutant ever. And there's a different version of Cable that doesn't have the the techno virus that Cable has that causes him to have the metal arm and stuff. Named Nate Summers. I'm getting into. I'm going to stop. I'm getting <laughs> into the rabbit hole. But he's definitely the most powerful mutant probably ever depicted, besides Hope Summers, which that's a whole other thing. But so I don't think that they gave a lot of actual cable from the comics. And as a comic said, that bothered me a little bit. But trying mm-hmm. to look at it just in the realm of this movie, I like mm-hmm. what they did with the, for the story they were telling. If I'm if I don't put comics in it, I like what, yeah. what they did for him. The fact that when he first shows up. You think he's after Deadpool. You don't even mm-hmm. think that he's after the kid. Um, okay. And as they unfolded that story more, and then even at the end when he came to Deadpool and was like, "You released du- Juggernaut, you idiot!" I, so it was. It was a. It's a lot to Cable. I, I enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. I think he was a little too dry at times, but I know they wanted it to play off way off 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 uh, Deadpool. But what did you think about Cable? Yeah, I, I think Cable was good. And then, you know, Josh, Josh Brolin as a character is kind of dry. Like, I don't think he really has, like, that type of humor. Uh, just, you know, knowing him in other movies. Uh, but I enjoyed the character of Cable. Like, he's just really, like, I'm a soldier. I'm here on this mission. Like, I have to, if I have to work with you, Wade Wilson, Deadpool is okay. But, you know, you're really in my way. <laughs> like, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was. Usually when, you know, characters come in like that, I usually would enjoy it. I would like to know more of the backstory. That's just me personally. Um, but I think what they did with what they, you know, the director and the story that they were trying to tell, it was allotted a good time to know that, okay, was here from the future. He's here to, you know, stop this plan from unfolding. And that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward story. And, you know, they say they're going to make X-Force movies and Cable's story is going to be more gotten into there. And if they do that, more power to him. But I think as a as a entryway, especially since he's not the main character, I think they did a good job. Yeah. Um, so I want to wait because I don't want to get into X-Force as a whole. yet. <laughs> <laughs> but OK, so very early on in this movie, they killed Vanessa. Did that yeah. work for you? Like, did you see that uh, coming? No, not like that. Um, just. Yeah, that was very, very early, and I, I honestly, I didn't think, I don't know why, I just assumed that they wouldn't be together in this movie, I don't know why, I just, even though I know how it ended, you know, they, I don't know why, I just didn't think it would be a carryover love story, 
Yeah. I didn't think that would be the reason why Deadpool would do what he needed to do or whatever. But it was interesting. Just, you know, he, he has that layer to him. Like Vanessa is really his weak point. Like yeah. Deadpool doesn't have that. Like, but Vanessa does that for Wade Wilson. But I mean, it wasn't like anything like a, you know, like we had that talk about, uh, you know, the Infinity War deaths. It wasn't anything like that. I was just like, oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. And the way that they did it, too, is like, because when you if you're not really paying attention like you think okay she got shot why is he trying to kill himself but the only reason she got shot is because he threw the the cream cheese spreader at him and then it 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 threw the the villain off and that's what got him to shoot Vanessa um which i don't if you're deadpool why would you try to stop anybody from shooting you like literally you can't die like i would have just just take the shot yeah yeah uh, I mean, <laughs> eventually, I mean, don't that stuff still hurt him? Like, it still hurts. But, yeah, it still hurts. So. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's it's weird. Like, yeah, he he didn't have to do that, man. Dad, you know, you knowing more about the his superpowers was like, why, fam? Like, you could just took the bullet, killed him. End of the movie, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we got to get him, and we'll talk because they they basically undid the whole movie in the Easter eggs. But we'll <laughs> we'll get into right. that. Was my favorite part of the movie, man. Best Easter eggs. And after credit scenes ever. Yes, but, um, yes. <laughs> all right, so we got next. I mean, really, there's not really, I mean, and thinking back, there's really not that many characters in the movie. There's Deadpool, Cable, Russell, and X-Force. So we haven't talked about Russell, the child, in which, so after Vanessa dies, uh, Deadpool joins the X-Men on his first mission as a trainee. They go to save these kids. Um, he, he, he figures out Russell's being abused and shoots uh, one of the orderlies or whatever. <laughs> so this kid Russell, man, he 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 reminds me so much. He's like a perfect analogy for kids these days on social media. Like he's busy trying to act tough and do what he thinks makes him like I'm fire fist. Like, dude, yeah. come on, man. But uh, yeah, as 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 a character, what did you think about Russell? Corny as fuck. Like, I get it. He's a he's a preteen. Like he's. I don't know if he was a teen, a full blown teenager, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I he, let's say he was twelve, thirteen, right? Yeah. You know, we do a lot of st- corny stuff when we're twelve or thirteen. Not really rational, so I, I kind of forgive him for that. But I have to understand the mind of you know what we're dealing with and somebody that's unstable in their powers, and he is being abused. So he's like, I don't really want to be a part of this. Because wasn't that the Essex Corporation or something like that? Exactly. So I thought the X-Men would have knew about that in the first place. And I, I was like, okay. So the Deadpool timeline is very confusing because I feel like in the X-Men, like X-Men was just fucked up the whole building. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but, and, the thing, and the thing with, like, you would think that at this point, the X-Men would be on top of anything Essex because even in the most recent, after, like, the reboot of the universe, the Essex Corporation was the one who took Wolverine at the end of, hell, was that first class? Um Yes. And then in X Men, uh, oh, was it the no? Days that was Days of Future Past, Future Past. Yeah. yeah, Days of Future Past. And then in uh, X Men Apocalypse, they were the ones who had Logan when he yeah. broke out the thing. So like you would think, just that name Essex automatically would would throw red flags. But apparently yeah. they haven't caught up yet. But you know, Nathan Essex or Nathaniel Essex is Mister Sinister. How hip are you to Mister Sinister? I've heard it because uh, Johnny, shout out to you, bro. He uh, put he, he he told me about Mister Sinister because at the end of what was that uh, Days of Future Past when they uh, took Logan the blood yeah. samples and stuff like that. Yeah, 
he put me on like I was like, what does this mean? Like, what does this after credit scene mean? So I know a little bit about Mr. Sinister because of the Essex thing. He's 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 the one that organized uh, Cyclops and Jean Grey's clone. Like I said, he's the one who figured out that their genetic mixture would make the the basically the perfect mutant. So mm-hmm. I think that it's all going to tie in hopefully to to X Force, um, which you know that's the perfect segue, man. Let's talk okay. about X Force. Okay, we can definitely start with Domino because, <laughs> first of all, I just we'll talk about Domino first because she's the most awesome. She's one of the best parts of this movie. Zazie yes. Beats from Atlanta yeah. to, for this to be her first big movie role, and I would say probably her first big role ever because Atlanta is still a niche hit. Like yeah. as much as we love Atlanta, it's very niche. So to be in an X Men movie and and to be the one who who basically matches with with Deadpool like in 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 words and everything and that that plays off their dynamic in the comics they have a very brotherly sisterly dynamic to where they both give each other shit all the time but she defends Deadpool and he def- like don't fuck with them like it's it's that whole we fuck with each other but if you come fuck with the fan we going to get you together type shit yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so i think they they gave that dynamic a lot but uh just the way she carried herself the way she acted this out perfect man what did you think about it oh i loved her character like because you know i i really don't care for her character in atlanta so i was kind of weary about seeing her translate to the big screen totally different persona like it she commanded the scenes that she was in the action sequences she was in were very very dope um sexy as hell i mean let's you know address that too fuck it let's be real like yes and um you know she's more of a mercenary right she doesn't have like a superpower just like in the movie, her, well, her superpower is luck. But in the movie, they kind of just made it that she was lucky. In uh-huh. the comics, she actually can affect chance, so she can okay. tip, she can, she can will certain things, the 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 balance of things to to happen in a certain way. So got it. Because when he called her Black Black Widow, I cried. Man, <laughs> the jokes in this movie like flew, like they really flew. <laughs> And the thing is, like, some of the jokes, I'm not even going to lie, my first watch flew completely over my head. And, you know, when at least for me, when I watch something the first time, I'm kind of just sitting by taking it in. The second yeah. time I watch something, that's when I'm, like, looking for things that I may miss. And, mm-hmm. yeah, the jokes in this movie, man, he, he said some shit. <laughs> <laughs> but to get back on Zazie Beats, man, I think this this movie officially made her pass Tessa Thompson on my crush list. Oh. Damn. Okay, <laughs> and like I know said, that means a lot coming from you. Like exactly you say that. So. that that means oh. a hell of a lot. So yeah, um, but yeah, she she dope in the role. Um, I love the fact of that all the X Force died except her. Um, <laughs> that was so good, man. man. Let's talk about it. Like, we can't avoid it anymore. <laughs> like so, Wade Wilson puts together this team to save Russell out this convoy. And he, we go through the whole sequence in which he's interviewing them. Uh, we got Zeitgeist who who spits acid, and I love. He's like, my name's Zeitgeist, and he's like, oh, you have your finger on the pulse of. of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we had uh, Shatterstar, who's a. I was so surprised a that Shatterstar was in this movie because in the comics, in the X Force comics. He's a big deal. So the fact that they killed him, and we'll get into that. Um, we had Peter, who was the regular guy who just showed up, and Deadpool's like, "You're in." 
Yeah, and what was it Vanisher too? Yeah, Vanisher, who was Brad Pitt, <laughs> and then uh, Terry Crews showing yes. up. Like, so we go through this whole thing, and then we get into this airplane scene where they're getting ready to jump out, and this is where the comedy is so great in this movie because if you pay attention, they mention the high winds on the radio. Everyone in the airplane mentioned the high winds, and at that point, you're probably just like, oh, well, maybe they'll just blow away. But they literally, everyone except uh, Deadpool and Domino die just getting out the plane. Yes. (laughs) So, Ralph, and I know, like, it was a big shock to me because I know the comics, and like I said, Shatterstar is a big deal in the comics. And Zeitgeist, he was the leader of X-Force for a brief period in time in the comics. So these aren't, like, minor characters. Like, how you just throw people away but this was i think that the writers of deadpool i'm not saying they knew who was gonna die in infinity war but i think they knew there was gonna be a lot of death in infinity war and like how can we put a comedic spin on this oh this is what we're gonna do and Uh, and that definitely was a comedic spin because it's like you you didn't even have a chance to realize how big shatterstar was and some of these other characters right so it's like damn as soon as they come out the plane you know everybody dies including peter like (laughs) I'm trying to figure out who died the worst though. Like Zeitgeist, was, man, in the in the wood chipper. Oh yes, yes. After he spit the the acid on Peter. Peter, oh, yeah. And oh, I mean, let's say Peter landed fine. If he wouldn't have tried to go help Zeitgeist, he would have been good. Facts. Man, it, it, I was cracking up, like cracking up during that scene because it was like once. Shatterstar died. I'm like, these motherfuckers are really gonna go for it. Terry Crews hit that bus. I was like, damn, damn. Like, I thought it was just gonna. Like, I didn't think he was gonna die, but I just thought like, oh, you know, let me shake it off. Like, cause you've seen in other movies where somebody hits the windshield off, just you know, like Thor hit the windshield in uh, Infinity War. Exactly. Like, you know, something like that, just for real quick comedy. But no, dead. <laughs> Man, I, that that scene was amazing to me, man. Uh, just just for the fact of it completely, and this is what the writers so do so good, is that they take the usual tropes in comic book movies, like they mm-hmm. did at the end of the last Deadpool, where where Cyclops is giving that big long speech, and you think, okay, Deadpool's probably not going to shoot him. He's like, yeah, fuck it, and just shot Francis in the face. So like yeah. they they put that spin on. You finally see this team coming together. Deadpool gives him X Force, gives him their name. <laughs> And then they all die. Like it, it was, it was hilarious, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. And then just to know that Domino was like, "Oh, I'm the only one that made it." Well, she went ahead and carried out the whole like mission anyway. She was like, "Okay, let's go." She didn't give a damn. She didn't. Give she a did. Damn. I loved it. <laughs> so but, I mean, like, go ahead. Are we gonna talk about the cameos too? Yeah, like we're, just, we're getting ready to get into. Yeah, let's. We can get into it now. Let's talk about the cameos, man. So, so Brad Pitt. Right off the top. So there's this character, Vanisher, and the whole time they're like, oh, he's over there. Oh, he's over there. And you can't see him because he's invisible. He's a Vanisher. Mm-hmm. And as Vanisher is his death scene, he hits, um, it was electrical lines. And he, boom, Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that, was a, that was a cool little thing, a little nugget in there. And I think people were like, oh, is Brad Pitt going to have, you know, something? No, no. He gave us Achilles and Troy. That's that's all we need. Like you know, what I'm saying he, he doesn't need to do anything else. I love like, him, was- by the way. I just want to say I love Troy. Um, oh yes, <laughs> yes. Like that's that's the the only superhero movie he ever need to play. Like he doesn't need to do anything else. But 
Um, and I enjoyed like just the little cameos. Like they was like, are we going to see any other original X-Men in here? Like, why is this house always empty? Like I enjoyed that scene. Like you just see all of the, I think it was like the first class guys yeah. in that room and they kind of closed the door off <laughs> and he missed the whole thing. I was like, oh. And it's it funny because, like, yeah, in the first movie, it was a joke of, like, oh, we can only afford two X-Men. And then this one, you kind of see that they're there. They just don't want to deal with his shit. Like, they just... <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, it's, and, and it's like, Colossus is, like, his real friend. Like, <laughs> like I think Colossus is, like, a true friend to Deadpool. Like, he just deals with all his bullshit. <laughs> Nobody gives him enough credit. <laughs> exactly. Like, he deals with all of that. And I think I love it how... Like on the scenes where um, Wade would go into like that 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 Deadland or whatever and see Vanessa, and at the last one he's like, "Don't sleep with Elvis," and she's like, "Don't sleep with with." Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's like, like Colossus. With Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny, man. It's 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 what what was your favorite cameo though? Um, I'm think I'm thinking it was probably just the uh, the X Men, just because it was just like a play like on how they didn't want to really fuck with him like that that was like great to me like outside of juggernaut you know getting released which i thought was a dope you know dope scene too because i kind of figured that was him yeah yeah see and the thing is with the um so you remember the black tom joke when he's like oh you killed black tom you racist yes, yes. when they when they were in the prison as soon as you because black tom and Juggernaut are kind of like the what can I because I know you don't really know the com I can uh, compare it to Rocket and Group like you know okay. when Black Tom's around you're getting Juggernaut, Juggernaut. so okay. once once Black Tom was there I was like that has to be Juggernaut like it has to be um so yeah uh but Juggernaut when he came out and Deadpool's like oh I'm a big fan Thor Thor four ninety one I have that comp like it mentioned in comics <laughs> Juggernaut is actually in and Juggernaut just rips him in half hilarious man. <laughs> i thought that was dope but it, it's just getting getting to just back jacking back into the movie like i really enjoy like everything about it but it's just hard for me to say that i really want to rank this movie so high like you know yeah like i enjoyed it like i really did and the thing and see that's where i get into like it being comedy versus a, a comic book movie because as a comic book movie just because of what marvel's doing i can't rank it high on the comic book movie list but this may be the best comedy i've seen all year like that that's yeah. that's the funny thing with it yeah yeah i have nothing like <laughs> i like i thoroughly enjoyed the movie just everything about it and even jumping to the end with the you know i guess the boss battle like because uh russell really wanted to kill the uh the head of the the well at least the foster home or the essence corporation yeah. plant that he was in so he was really like <laughs> like it was dragging it out. He could have really killed that old man a long time ago. But just <laughs> him him getting to that point and Deadpool like, you know, jumping in the way of the bullet. It was all melodramatic. And <laughs> he he uh laid on the ground like dying for like what a good two minutes? It felt like it went and that was it was so long. And the, see that's the thing. That that was probably one of the jokes that I didn't like because don't get me wrong, when he when you thought he was dead the first time, he kinda got the 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 empty eye look and then he's like oh i'm still here and started talking again it was funny then yeah. when they did it like two more times i'm like okay like this is getting uh yeah let's get to it and i thought he really was gonna die for some strange reason yeah it, it, they kind of alluded to it especially when he's like uh 
Wolverine rode my court my uh coattails to a R rating and he died in his movie. Now I'm gonna die in this movie. I thought they were gonna do it. Yeah. Shit's crazy, man. Um so all right, we talked to well, let's talk a little bit more about the climax, man. So Juggernaut okay. dying. Well not I don't know if he's dead or not, but being defeated by being mm-hmm. sodomized by <laughs> oh, <laughs> an electrocution. <laughs> what were your thoughts on that, man? Like the whole Colossus, like it's funny because when Colossus finally said fuck and the first time and then he would just like drop it like a little kid when they learn when they first start cussing around their friends and they just start cussing because their parents are around. That was funny. But him him taking this to the next level to defeat Juggernaut. And again, in the comics, Juggernaut versus Colossus, every time they get together, amazing. So I, w- I was looking forward to it. What did you think about the climax, though? It seemed like Juggernaut was definitely giving the best of Colossus. Right, so he had to fight dirty. So if that helped, because <laughs> Colossus, see, as much as I know that Colossus can be more of a badass, he's never really been depicted like that in the movies, but I imagine in the comics he's more of a badass than he was in the films. So it's like he was really getting thrashed, <laughs> really. So he had to fight a little dirty, and I think that's something that he picked up from hanging with Deadpool. So it's like I can appreciate that, because Colossus is well, very well-mannered in this movie. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. And yeah, but I, I I loved it, man. I love the way that they do Colossus. I like that he's so serious and oblivious to a point that it's not overly that, but it's funny. Like, and again, he I like his, his dynamic with Deadpool because Deadpool loves Colossus and Colossus likes Deadpool, too. But you could tell he's a no. He's like it's like that little brother syndrome. Like, I like you, but I don't like you. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Exactly, but I I, I enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed like the whole dynamic and just like I hope we're not skipping skipping over too much. But it's just like that last like kind of like walk away of everybody, like you know the five of them. Yeah, you know it's cliche in in movie nature, but it looked good though. Oh yeah, and it's it especially like, because you know the X Force movies are coming. Like it, that group together, I could I could yeah. watch the movie with them. Yes, yes, and I think that's what I hope happens, you know, with whatever they do with the X-Force movie. And uh, we forgot to talk about Dope Ender, the Brown <laughs> Panther. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot my man's name with the taxi driver. That is, yeah, like, yeah. he... He is really down. He like, and it's you have to appreciate somebody like that that is essentially just an everyday guy, but he's really down to help the cause or whatever Deadpool wants. <laughs> he wants to be with the shits so bad. Like <laughs> yes. so, and, and the thing is, is that and I kind of forgot this too, is that in the first movie, at the end, he said he killed his brother because he'd been sleeping with his girl or whatever. Yeah. So yes, now, I remember that. Yeah. so now he wants to be an assassin because he got that taste. He wants that next kill so bad, and he gets it at the end of this movie because he's the one who ends up taking out the headmaster. And so it's like, is he a part of X Force? Because he was with the group when they were walking off. Like I can I, only I can, imagine X, yeah, like him being him. suited up yeah. in the next movie with guns and shit. Like, yeah, I, I can definitely see him being around because it's it's like you need that kind of like that element of the guy that. That's not really a superhero, but you know, it's just kind of with the shits. He's like not a comedy relief, but it helps. Like it brings balance. Absolutely. Let's talk about these in credit scenes, man. Okay. <laughs> so he fixed Cable's time travel machine. Yeah. He goes back, and, and correct me if I miss any. 
I know one, he goes back and he fixes his appearance in X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yes. He stops Ryan Reynolds from becoming Green Lantern in that movie. <laughs> that was the best. That was the best. He was like, oh, welcome to the big leagues now. And he shot him. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> It was another X-Men scene I can't remember. Um, I know it was definitely like the Wolverine scene where he, he showed up and shot like the, the Wade Wilson character. And he's like, hey, sorry about this. Like it was like. Yeah, I'm just fixing the, the t- just fixing the timeline, as he said. <laughs> yes. But it was another scene before the Ryan, I mean, the uh, Green Lantern, uh, which was hilarious. All of them were hilarious. But I, I enjoyed what they did. Like they know that the timeline is essentially just all the way fucked up. Oh yeah, they they fucked it up royally, man. But they only acknowledge it in the Deadpool movies. They won't acknowledge it anywhere else. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because they won't acknowledge it anywhere else, and then like you know that these other movies are in the pipeline, so they're not really trying to fix anything else. Especially you know with you know certain movies just coming down like the Dark Phoenix and all that stuff, which we don't really have to get into. I mean, we we can. Um... Because I was going to ask you what comes next for the, the Fox X Men universe, but, but let's let's stick here just for a minute. And we forgot mm-hmm. one of the most awkward scenes, mm-hmm. the little leg scenes. Oh God! <laughs> they said the Sharon Stone moment, like or something like that. Oh, oh man, hilarious, <laughs> hilarious. So and after, it was, whoa, everybody moves like whoa, like. And you knew they were going to go for it because they kept going back out to the to the to the legs. They kept zooming back out to it, and you knew they were going to do it. When he did the Sharon Stone scene, and you and you see the thing dangling, like I was like, these motherfuckers give no no f's, none, none, not at all. And the fact he and the fact he had the the cure for blindness under the cocaine. Yeah, he told her that in the in the last movie. He's like, the cure for uh, blindness is underneath the uh, floorboard with like ten keys of cocaine. And she never. Oh. And then, he, then he did the LeBron thing with the cocaine, where he throws it up. This movie is so inappropriate, yo. Oh man, I feel sorry for the people who brought their kids to this movie. And I will say, let me just admit. So the first Deadpool, I didn't know it was gonna be that bad. I took my two oldest kids to see it. So oh. people send 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 me hate mail. I didn't. They didn't see the second one. But the first I was one, about to say. I was about to say. <laughs> did you let them send you the whole movie? <laughs> I take that as a yes, Hayes. I take that as a yes. <laughs> well, hey, you gonna learn today? I learned about the birds and the bees today. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Enough of my bad parenting, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> so anything left on this movie man before we talk about just a little bit of what's coming next from the fox universe uh no man i think i think we did a good recap man yeah i mean go see and the thing is is that with comedies man we literally be sitting here for hours if we broke down every joke so i mean this is kind of just a reaction slash review to it you got to go see the movie man you have to see it if you have seen it then you know what we're talking about but uh we're gonna take a a brief break and then we're going to come back and talk about the future of the fox universe all right ralph man so we we, we know marvel's purchase of fox is pending unless comcast swoops in there um so with what they tease about x-force in this movie dark phoenix coming mm-hmm. at this point i'm just expecting 
like Fox to just brush out the movies that they can until Fox comes in and then we'll see what Fox does with it. But mm-hmm. what, what are your expectations for the for this Fox X-Men universe while they still have it? Uh, stop. Stop right now. Even like, Deadpool? I'm not at this point, like I'm not I'm not really sure what they can do with it as a, as far as a Deadpool three, because it seems like this is the good time to introduce the X-Force and whatever you're going to do with that. Then you yeah. can go back and do a Deadpool 3 if you choose to, depending on, you know, whatever success you have with X-Force. Just thinking about the movie business part of it. Now, looking at, like, a Dark Phoenix movie, I was never excited when they announced it. Because we had so many uh, versions of Dark Phoenix, Phoenix in the movies. Like, you know, X-Men Last Stand, they hated it. You know, they hated that version. or And then... X-Men Apocalypse, you had, you know, her come up and save the day. So I was like, what can we do with the movie of this now? That never really made sense to me. Um, do you, are you, are you hyped for any of this? Like, cause I'm not like, not really like I'll watch these things, but I'm not. I will like, say oh this, the dark Phoenix storyline in the comics is one of my all time faves. Okay. Um, so if they do it right, I'm absolutely excited for it, but this is Fox. If it was Marvel doing the Dark Phoenix, I'd be pumped like it's Infinity War. Yes, yes. But I can I can see that. Yes. And just the fact that they had the movie shot and finished and then they had to go back and reshoot half the movie worries me right there off the top. And yeah, they are and, and they already destroyed the Dark Phoenix storyline one time in X-Men 3. So like Yeah. <laughs> exactly so it's like how can you reintroduce it and then you you know you do the first class and then Jean Grey eventually becomes Dark Phoenix I thought the ending of Apocalypse was it blew my mind that she just went Dark Phoenix and now she's back Jean Grey you were saying that to me uh, as the comic book guy because the movie guy like and even watching like X-Men like I just knew that when she went Dark Phoenix wasn't no coming back like she just can't go back that quick right see well here's the thing in the in the in the comics Dark Phoenix is an entity that can go in and out of anybody. Now, the way that they told it in X-Men 3 is that it's just basically Jean Grey going all the way into her power. So it's different in the comics. Now, if they're going a little bit more comic accurate with it, I can, Mm -hmm. she can do, because in the comics, like she basically got a a boost in powers and nobody knew what was going on with her for a long time. And then you, you discovered that it was Phoenix. So if that's the route they're going, then it makes sense what will happen at the end of the apocalypse. But Because because the Dark Phoenix storyline is so inherently cosmic in the fact that it involves outer space and the Shi'ar Empire and all types of crazy outer space shit, yeah. I don't know if I see them going that. Like like I said, again, Marvel, they do it. Fox? Mm, yeah. And then they, they got a hold of my, my man, Remy LeBeau's movie, and I'm not really excited mm. for that either. And the fact that Channing Tatum is playing Gambit really worries me. That movie's never really worries me. I just don't think that's gonna happen. I think at this point they're just gonna kick, keep kicking that can down the road until Marvel comes up, takes over. Um, so I, I definitely think so. Uh, Dark Phoenix, we're getting for sure. X Force, mm-hmm. if they can get it, because I mean, there's about a year again into this this Marvel deal closes. So if they can get production started on it within the next six to eight months, there's a chance we may get it. But we're definitely mm-hmm. getting Dark Phoenix and New Mutants, which New okay. Mutants, I won't lie. I was ex- that trailer for New Mutants did it for me because I love horror movies. I didn't yeah. look at it again. I, it, and that's the thing that I think if Fox would have focused on that more often uh, before this happened of making movies with comic book characters, but kind of like Marvel does, how each one of their movies is its own genre. Mm-hmm. They they could have been successful. Um, yeah. 
so I'm 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 looking forward to New Mutants just in the sense that it's something different. But again, it's kind of like what, what what I talked about um, with Mysterio and Sony. Like mm-hmm. if it was just Sony, the fact that they do have Marvel helping them, I think they're going to do it right. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's just Fox worries me. Like yeah. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm excited for it until I see a trailer that doesn't like. And that's the same thing with Dark Phoenix. Once I see a trailer, it's going to tell me my excitement level. If it's trash, nah, boss. And you know what? Like, and I'm glad you pointed that out because with Fox, they they do have this lane that they could have blazed because their movies are more dramatic in nature. And that's an element of uh, superhero movies you don't really see. That's why the Dark Knight you know, trilogy was so successful because it was more drama. Like, you don't really watch those for like the crazy action, right? I think it's right. the acting. So if Fox had focused on that, that'll be cool. We watch Marvel for really like the storylines. I don't think it's really like drama, drama, but there are good stories that are being told. You're attached to the characters, but Fox had, you have all these properties and you're not really using them right. Yeah. <laughs> so they have the, and some would say that they have some of the best Marvel characters. Hell, they got Fantastic Four. How can you not do a quality Fantastic? First of all, they should have been building a universe long before Marvel came around. You got X Men exactly. and Fantastic Four. You got two of the best Marvel villains in Doctor Doom and Magneto. You could have been told to built a whole universe. <sighs> fucking up, fuck it up. Like it's, it, especially with the Fantastic Four. Like I thought those movies were good back then, but they are so cheesy. For, but for what comic book movies were then? Especially yeah. the first one, I appreciated them then, and I yeah. was fuck. I, I mean, I was like eleven, so I mean, I, I appreciated them then. But uh, yeah, I mean, they they have some of the best characters. They just haven't used them. Um, so uh, we're gonna end on this. I want to ask you this: So Marvel getting all the characters back? Do you think some people look at it as it's not a good thing because now we will only get because Marvel's not gonna put out five movies a year more than likely. They're gonna put out three, so we're gonna get less comic book movies if Marvel gets all these characters in-house and will they even do a rated r deadpool do you think it's a good thing of of marvel getting all these characters and, do, and more importantly just to to harpen back to this review do you think marvel's going to pull off deadpool like fox did no because marvel has built this brand on being family oriented yeah you can go, you can take anybody to go see a marvel movie anybody from your mom to your youngest even though there might be a little bit of violence or you know those type of things, but it's still family movies that everybody can pretty much enjoy. So if you take somebody that's as vulgar as Deadpool and put them in that universe, it's not going to work. Yeah, it's not going to work. I would see, I could see Deadpool working in the Netflix universe for Marvel. Yes, but I hate to see him dumbed down to a show. Exactly. So like, (laughs) and I want, and you know, Kevin Feige said, or I think it was, it was, even either Feige or Perlmutter who have said that they they would be open to doing rated R movies. I believe it when I see it. Yeah. I mean, they haven't, but I don't think they've had the right opportunity to introduce it either. True. Because if you have X-Men over here, which are more grittier and, you know, Deadpool and those type of characters. Yeah. I don't think you, I don't know. We'll see, man. We'll see. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, man. But Ralph, I want to thank you, man, for taking time. Last minute, you, you you came in clutch, man. You came in clutch <laughs> with me on this one, bro, so I appreciate you, man. No problem, man.
<laughs> so go ahead and tell the people where they can find you in oversaturated. Oh man, uh, the mind of Ralph on Instagram and Twitter, and anything oversaturated the podcast, oversatthepod.com. And I'm gonna plug this real quick Breaks Radio live show. 2600 North 14th Street, Herb, in <laughs> St. Louis, Missouri. You can get your tickets on eventbrite.com. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely check out the live show, man. This, this shit's going to be cool. And you know what? It's funny because I was thinking the other day, I'm like, I can't wait to p- hear people's response who didn't go to the live show and was like, uh, and, and hear the podcast version of it. But now in my head, I'm thinking, Man, fuck them. We're not gonna put it out as a podcast. If you don't show up, you don't get it. Right. We'll 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 recap it for y'all. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, Ralph, man, I appreciate you, bro. Oh man, no problem, man. Anytime. All right, that's it. That's episode fifty. I know last week I told you I had something big planned for episode fifty. When I say I had one of the biggest interviews of my podcasting career ever lined up for episode fifty, I absolutely mean it. It's no hyperbole. I don't say that just to tease you guys, but unfortunately, it fell through. The person I was going to interview is really big name. And unfortunately, because of their notoriety, things came up, but they were assured that they'll be able to reschedule with me. I'll, I'll probably try to align it with episode 60. I feel bad because I, I hyped it. This is why I don't like teasing things. So, um, but, you know, th- th- that is what it is. This has been episode 50. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you listen to it over your Memorial Day weekend. Like I said, everyone be safe. Everyone have fun. Uh, hopefully everyone gets a, gets a three-day weekend. I will be back next week with the dope and amazing show. Uh, next week starts UML week, where all my guests will be from the Urban Mogul Life Network. Uh, so that one's going to be great. I already have a couple of dope conversations lined up, so... I'm really looking forward to that one. I will see you guys next week. Thank you for spending all this time. If you made it this far, you are a brave, brave soul. Peace. All right, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. I look funny, but yo, I'm making money, see? So yo, world, I hope you're ready for me. Now gather round. I'm the new fool in town, and my sound's laid down by the underground. I drink a bottle of Hennessy you got on your shelf. So just let me introduce myself. My name is Humpty, pronounced with the Humpty. Yo, ladies, oh, how I like to funk thee. And all the rappers in the top ten, please allow me to bump thee. I'm stepping tall, y'all, and just like Humpty Dumpty, you're gonna fall when the stereos pump me. I like to rhyme, I like my beats funky. I'm spunky, I like my oatmeal lumpy. I'm sick with this, straight gangster Mac. But sometimes I get ridiculous I'll eat up all your crackers and your licorice Oh, yo, fat girl Come here, are you ticklish? Yeah, I called you fat Look at me, I'm skinny It never stopped me from getting busy I'm a freak I like the girls with the boom I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom I'm crazy Allow me to amaze thee They say I'm ugly, but it just don't faze me I'm still getting in the girls' dance And I even got my own dad